My name is Brett Martin. I'm the involvement minister here. And if you were here earlier in the summer, I did some riddles and they let me back up here, but I'm not doing that. So you're good, man. You're real good this time. Okay. A couple quick announcements real quick. Tonight, six o'clock is our marriage night. And Tuesday, September 15th is our Fresh Grounded Faith kickoff. That would be here in the worship area. So look for more information on that online. We're glad you're here. We're glad you guys are ready to celebrate and worship our King together. So why don't you guys go ahead and stand with us worship.
Shelby Christian Church, every Sunday we offer a time of communion, a time to reflect on an incredible sacrifice done by Jesus Christ. So if you look around, if you haven't gotten your communion, the band's going to keep playing. Give us time to go ahead and grab our emblems. Um, we have cups all around the area. Um, it's two in one. So on top is going to be the juice that represents the blood of Christ. And under that cup is going to be a little piece of bread that represents the body of Christ. Something I always hear all the time is a lot of people who say that they don't have to come to church to be close to God. And they're wrong. Fasting and praying is some of the most intimate moments you will have with your God. But remembering this sacrifice that Jesus laid on his life for us just to be here today in this country where our brothers and sisters around the world are constantly being persecuted for this right here, what we get to do so freely in this country. You get to come to church because his blood 
was the price for you to come to the table, to come to the altar, and just to remember this sacrifice. And the people who understand this the most are your U.S. soldiers that are coming home from the war because they had somebody who died in the line. Said, I will stay here. You get home to your family. Those guys will always remember those brothers that have fallen. We have a king who fell for us. He didn't need to do it. God doesn't really need us to worship him to feel good. But we get joy in it. It's Jesus first, others next, yourself last. Shall we pray? Holy Father God, we thank you so much for this day. The galaxies that are so incredible, that far beyond our comprehension, you hold them in your fingertips. And we humble ourselves before you as we take these emblems that represent the body and blood of Christ. May we remember his sacrifice and the love he poured out for us, for our benefit, not for yours, Father, for an opportunity that we have at redemption because of his sacrifice. May we always remember that sacrifice and what it means, the fact that you gave your one and only love, your one and only son to die for us. It's in your son's most glorious name, the Lord of Lord, King of Kings, in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, we praise you. We thank you so much. It's in his name we pray. Jesus. Jesus. 
God, we just uh, come before you today, humble hearts, thanking you for everything you've done. Now teach us from your word. We lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a seat. Thanks for being here today, and uh, we're excited about what God continues to do. Last week, it was so cool uh, to see three people give their lives to Jesus and our various services and have baptisms last week and so excited to see that so if you're worshiping with us online 
Uh, we're really glad you're here. In fact, if you're worshiping with us online, why don't you right now just in the comment bar type in, let us know where you're worshiping with us. And we want to remind our online audience as well as you guys that uh, all through the week, if you have a prayer concern, a special need, uh, that we've got a prayer line that somebody's got the phone all, all the time. Uh, the number's uh, 502-487-4527 uh, if you need to get in touch with us. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we're kind of, it's hard to believe, really. It's been with, so crazy with pandemic and everything. We're getting close to finishing this year, this this. 2020 walk through the gospel of luke because if you remember we started actually in december last year so that we could get the the birth narrative in and so we'll finish in november uh walking our way through the gospel of luke uh next week we start another mini series of that called jesus the final answer and we'll do that but today we're going to finish up this idea that he's the keeper of our heart and the book of proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 uh is a verse that i love that goes along with this it just says above all else the pro the, the writer of proverbs says above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And so we're continuing that, uh, that idea of what we need to have in our heart and these, these ideas uh, that we need to have in our heart. And, and Mark Jones, who he and I are doing this, or we're doing this series together, he shared a story with me this week that I thought maybe, just maybe, some of you guys could relate to. So I'm going to read the story that Mark sent me. It was an article that he found somewhere that a guy wrote. said, I hereby officially... And tendering my resignation as an adult, I have decided I would like to accept the responsibilities of an eight-year-old again. I want to go to McDonald's and think it's a four-star restaurant. I want to sail sticks across fresh mud puddles and lie under a big oak tree. I want to think M&Ms are better than money because you can eat them. I want to run a lemonade stand with my friends on a hot summer's day. I want to return to a time when life was simple. I want to think the world is fair, that everyone is honest and good. I want to believe that anything is possible. I want to be oblivious to the complexities of life and to be overly excited about the little things again. I want to believe in the power of smiles and hugs and kind words and truth and justice and peace and dreams and imagination and making angels in the snow. I want to live simply again. Therefore... I here uh, here is my checkbook, my car keys, uh, my credit card bills, and my 401k statements. I am officially resigning from adulthood. And if you want to discuss this further, you'll have to catch me first because tag you're it. Do you want to live there? Man, when it gets crazy, it would just be can, can, in fact, I maybe yesterday even ask, can you remember being eight? Can you remember what that was like living in, in that time? And have you ever wanted to go back to being a child again? Now, I realize some of you have never left that stage, and that's between you and whoever you're living with. But did you know that Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven? If you got your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And we just got three verses today. It's kind of just this mini micro teaching in the middle of everything else that Jesus has been doing. And so much of his teaching, especially through this series, Keeper of My Heart, we've said that he was teaching to two main groups, if you remember, the disciples and the Pharisees. But here, just in the center of this, he kind of like goes off and just teaches to the people that have actually come around. Look in verse 15. It says, People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What's the big deal for the disciples here? I mean, you kind of just get the glimpse of what's really going on. These parents, these parents who have 
started seeing Jesus as somebody special, started believing a little bit. These, these parents are just bringing their children, asking Jesus to bless them. We're getting ready. Two weeks from today, we're going to have our baby dedication week that we had to put off from earlier this year. And we're just going to ask God to bless these kids and the families. And, and so these parents are just bringing these, all they're doing is bringing the children and asking Jesus to bless them, to touch the disciples. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't bother him. That's too much trouble. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's the big deal? Just let the children come. And by the time Jesus had finished this, this really little micro-teaching, he had their undivided attention. Because when he said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child doesn't get to go in, doesn't get to be a part of it. And so there's got to be something extraordinary, I think, uh, about children for Jesus to tell us that we have to become like them to get to go to heaven. And I think it's this. In, in our in our this this series of of pointing out these little special qualities, I think the quality that Jesus is honing in on here in this teaching is innocence, the innocence of a child. And so this morning, I just really quickly want to take these verses and I want to look at the innocent four ways the innocence of a child defines who we are. First thing is I think we can see is. Just the pure heart of a child. Just the pure heart of a child. Children are born just pure and innocent. Now I know that I know that there are some churches, uh, some some faith systems that teach that children are born sinful. Therefore, they have to be baptized as as babies to remove the mark of original sin. Now we we believe in, in original sin that Adam and Eve really did disobey God in the Garden of Eden and introduce sin in the world. That's the Genesis 3 story. And we also believe that, that everyone has a sinful nature. And Paul said that when we all sin, if I'll show the glory of God, and once children are old enough to distinguish right from wrong, sometimes, sometimes they'll choose wrong. We all do. However, we do not believe that the Bible anywhere teaches that children are born guilty of sin. And largely because of this particular teaching, Jesus said, we all need to become like these children, innocent and pure in the eyes of God. See, children are innocent regarding evil. They just don't know. In, in, in our world, in our world that is so messed up in so many ways because of this racial unrest, this is the picture that captures my heart. Because children aren't born with some of the feelings adults have. They learn them. Children are born, the ground's level. We're all equal. Well, let's, just, let's just love each other. Let's just play together. Let's just have fun. One of the hardest things that I think most parents face uh, as we begin releasing our children into the world is knowing that there's evil out there, right? <laughs> Any parents agree with that? It, it's, it's hard. We, we know because we've experienced some of it and we know things are out there. And the idea of letting our kids or, or now for a lot of us, our grandkids go out into that, it, it's really hard. We know they're going to be exposed to, to language that we don't use or want them to use or even hear. We know they're going to be exposed to drugs and alcohol. We know that quite likely they're going to be exposed to pornography and sexual sins of all kinds. And, and in fact, it, it really kind of catches my attention as important that our text, in this text, that these parents, these parents were bringing their children to Jesus. Parents said, I want, I want my kids to be okay. I want them to remain innocent. See, parents, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to introduce our children to Jesus Christ and not to introduce them 
to sinful behavior. And that's why we boldly say we've got a great youth program here. We, from, from early childhood all the way through high school, I think we've got a great youth program. But we boldly say it's not our job to spiritually raise the kids of this community. That's the parents' job, and we want to come alongside. And when it's not happening at home, we want to fill in the gaps. But it's not the church's role to raise children. It's the parents' role to raise children. And these parents are bringing their children to Jesus. See, our homes, our homes, they ought to be places where kids can learn about a God who loves them, not places where the Internet and social media and our own conversations expose them to evil. One of the hardest things that I deal with and our work that we do here as a church, especially in, in recovery ministry, is finding out how many of the people that end up in our recovery ministry, the, the overwhelming percentage of them that were introduced not only to alcohol, but to narcotics by their parents. It's heartbreaking. And we've got to figure out a way to break that cycle and to, to break that chain. And, and while we have to be, we have to be cautious about this not but we've got to be cautious not to overprotect our kids and send them into a world that they're so naive that they're unprepared to deal with the the stuff the real temptations that are out there we also at the same time need to keep them from being exposed to some of those harsh realities of evil too soon we need to provide a secure environment. We need to provide a place where they can maintain their innocence as long as they can and not be, not be bothered or burdened by the sins of the society in which they're going out into. So in each of these characteristics we're going to talk about today, we'll talk about how it applies to kids, but then we'll talk about how it applies to us and for those of us that are adults now. And I think we need to guard our hearts in order to remain pure. We need to guard our minds by being aware of the, the books, the magazines that we read, the movies we watch, the music we listen to. We need to, we need to be aware of that for ourselves and for our children. We, we need to guard our bodies by committing ourselves to, to sexual abstinence before marriage. We can't teach something we don't practice. And we need to work really hard at that and, and be sure that we're modeling the right lifestyle. And, and we need to guard our emotions by learning to deal constructively with things like anger, refusing to be slaves to, to our moods, to our passions. Here's what James said in James chapter 1, verse 27. said, keep yourselves from being polluted by the world. I like the way that's phrased in that translation, from being polluted by the world. See, Jesus said, we've got to become like little children to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That means we have to have the pure heart of a child. I, I think, secondly, we need to not only have a pure heart, we need to have a transparent heart. We need to have a transparent heart. You know, I love children. Children are so innocent about their relationships, aren't they? I mean, it's just, it's just all right there. They're just very innocent. I remember last week I mentioned a family circus cartoon. I want to mention a family circus uh, had this cartoon, Billy, once again. Last week I talked about Billy and his football. Billy has this one scene that he he's looking at the door and he says, we knew you were coming to visit because mommy and daddy hung up the picture you gave us for Christmas. That never happens at your house, right? that you make sure and get that thing out because, you know, or you cover certain... No, the kids are just like... They just put it out there. They're just honest. They're real. Well, well sometimes it's embarrassing. The, the cool thing is they don't understand how to be tactful. I think that's a good thing sometimes. I think because if we're just real, then we don't have to figure out how to cover things up. It's refreshing to know they're just going to say what they think. You know, you're always going to know where you stand with the little one, right? Man, if they don't want you holding them, they're going to scream until you put them down, right? 
If they want you to pick them up, they're going to scream till you pick them up. You just kind of know. If they don't like the movie you picked for them to watch, they're going to leave the room. If they don't like the toy they just unwrapped, they're going to go to the play box and find another one. If they don't like the food, they're not going to eat it. Most kids are pretty easy to read when they're young because they're too innocent to try to deceive but they learn that trait don't they where do they learn that trait come on where do they learn that trait they watch us they listen to our conversations they see how we do things and and so to relate with people real and to help our kids we need to be just as transparent as children we need to be real people need to know we're sincere as we deal with them they need to know that we're going to be honest about our feelings and straightforward in our relationships that we tell the truth even when it hurts a little that we're honest even when we don't feel really comfortable being honest uh, about how we're feeling or about what we need to say to them. As Christians, we got to be transparent about our love for Christ. We should be willing to admit weaknesses, not to blame others. We got to learn to say, I love you to our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, the interesting thing to me about, about this whole ordeal with these masks. <laughs> And everybody making a big deal. But here's what the reality is. A lot of us have been wearing them for a long time. They just actually haven't been on our face. A lot of us have been covering up stuff for a long time. Not willing to be real. Now, you know one of my biggest struggles now? I've kind of gotten over. I figured out how to wear them without fogging on my glasses. You know my biggest struggle with masks right now? I don't know how many people I have run into, and I got no clue who they are. Friday night, I had three different people come up to me and start talking to me and call me by name, and I had no clue who I was talking to. No clue. I couldn't tell through the mask. I couldn't, like, yeah. And so I just play it off. I wasn't real. That's the, that's the truth. I wasn't real. I didn't say, who are you? Would you take your mask off? I just played along with the game. And I think we've been doing that figuratively for a long time. A lot of us have been wearing masks. And a lot of us have been playing along with the game for a long time now. I, I, I think we've got to start taking the mask. I know why we wear them. Not these masks, the figurative ones. I know why we wear them. Because somewhere inside of us we're thinking, maybe they won't like me if they find out who I am behind the mask. So I'll just cover everything up. Until we get real with people, our relationships are always going to be shallow and artificial. Be honest in your mind. There are some people in your life, aren't there? There are some people in your life that you kind of, for the most part, know what they are thinking and feeling no matter what they say to you, right? Because you're close enough, you can see. But then there's a whole world of people that if they're covering it up with the mask, the relationship's just shallow and artificial because it's not real. And so for us to be in the kingdom of heaven, I think, what if we all had pure, the pure heart of a child? What if we could have the transparent heart of a child that's just real? What if we could have the heart of wonder that's in a child? See, children are, are really innocent about the world around them. There's something about the innocence of children. Everything around them is new. They get excited. They usually can't wait to experience what's next around the corner. They get kind of excited about that. I love, I love hanging out with my grandkids. I love hanging out with my grandkids because you know what my grandkids like? They like butterflies. They like dogs licking them. They even like empty Katie did shells. That's like gold at our house to be able to find one of those. 
the things that we just pass by, that they just love and they just embrace. I don't think Jesus was saying we can't get into heaven if we've lost the sense of wonder. But I do think life's a lot more fulfilling and a lot more, and we're a lot more likely to give praise to God that he deserves when we stop for a while and look around us and appreciate the things that are there. I think, and, and I've been really working hard on this in the last month. I've been really working hard every day in my prayer life and even jotting things down, putting things in my phone. I'm just being thankful, just finding those thankful moments. And you know what? I think our level of thankfulness is connected directly to our sense of awe and wonder. And to be able just to see the common everyday things and go, wow, wow. How did that bug get outside of that shell and survive? Wow. So I think we as adults, we need to regain our sense of all. Too often we've allowed our own grown-up pressures and responsibilities. And I got to go to work tomorrow, and I got to balance the checkbook, and I got to do this. And we need to learn to look at the world through the eyes of a child. I think we need to regain the ability to to just marvel at the sunset. Now I know some of us do. There's certain things I know. Some of you marvel at the sunset. You know how I know that? You posted on Facebook. And, and I see that. Uh, but I, I think we need to do things like be excited about skipping a rock across a pond. You know how many of our kids have never done that? And for us, it was a, it was a big deal, wasn't it? The first time you realized you could do that. Or taking a walk, not to get somewhere, but just for the sake of taking a walk. I, I think wonder is to life like romance is to marriage. Stay with me here. Romance is not the foundation for marriage. If it is, the relationship's not going to last too long. But a marriage has to be built on faithfulness, commitment, unconditional love. But a marriage without romance isn't going to last very long either. It's going to become dull and monotonous. And so we need to work on that. And once again, I'll remind you, marriage night in here tonight, 6 o'clock. You can sign up. You know, work on Work on that. Work on that. See, I think life's like that too because wonder is not the solid foundation for life. I, I, I mean, if you do, you kind of, you know, that, then you're kind of like the golden goose waking up in a different world every day. But at some point, we have to deal with the larger issues of life good versus evil, truth and falsehood, heaven and hell. We got to deal with those things. But if we never get goosebumps, Think about it. When's the last time you felt goosebumps on your arms about something? When was the last time you, you had cold chills or tears in your eyes? And if we had never experienced the wonder of all that that God has created, then life quickly becomes routine. I love this quote. Someone once said, I don't, I don't know, I have any idea who originally said it. I've heard it for years, but I like this. Life is not measured by how many breaths we take, but by how many times our breath is taken away. Maybe we need to pray, God, take my breath away. Just take my breath away. That we can have this pure heart and this transparent heart and this heart of wonder. But I think ultimately it comes down to this. The ultimate childlike, innocent heart that we've all got to have is the trusting heart of a child. Lee Strobel, many of you guys, especially in this service, have heard of Lee Strobel, read some of his stuff, watched some of his videos. Used to be this hard-nosed, aggressive, really cynical, atheistic journalist uh, for the Chicago Tribune before he gave his life to Christ and ended up ministry. Lee Strobel said that when he worked at the Tribune, there was a sign that was hanging uh, in the newsroom that said, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. In other words, don't believe anything. Don't believe anything. And that was the world in which he worked. 
that no statement is true unless you check it out. What if we could erase that? The cynicism that has become expected in many circles today. We're, we're supposed to doubt everything. We're supposed to doubt everybody's intentions. We're supposed to believe everybody's got an angle or a hidden agenda. Don't trust anybody. Always watch your back. Don't give them an inch because they'll take a mile. And, and for too many, that goes to our attitude about God as well. Too many people will run into like, uh, I don't know, I can't see him, so I don't believe in him. My life's not perfect, so he must not care about me. But guys, little children typically find it pretty easy to believe. Let's just think about it for a minute. Think about little children. When a mother picks up her child, that baby doesn't worry about being dropped. The baby instinctively trusts that mom is going to hang on to me. Uh, when a toddler eats and gets full, he doesn't immediately, instinctively worry about where the next meal is going to come from. He trusts that the parents or those in his life are going to provide the next meal. Here's, here's even more important. When parents or grandparents or youth leaders, small group leaders at a church, when they start teaching children about an unseen God who watches over them and cares for them, the children instinctively listen. That's their nature. They're trusting. See, most children are innocent about their faith in God. Do you remember? Let's think about it. Do you remember the first time you ever, ever heard about Noah, about, uh, Noah collecting all the animals together and putting them on a big boat. Wasn't there a little bit of, wow, that's so cool. Do you remember the first time you heard about Moses lifting a stick in an ocean parting and been walking through on dry land to the other side? Wasn't there a little bit of you going, wow. Do do you remember the first time you ever heard the story of this little boy named David taking a stone and killing a giant? Do you remember the first time you heard about Daniel closing the mouths of the lions? Do you remember the first time you heard about these three guys with weird names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that got thrown into a furnace and didn't burn to death? Do you remember the first time you heard about Jesus walking on the water or the first time that somebody told you that he actually rose from the dead? Wasn't there that sense of, But now for most of us, especially in this service, we've heard all those stories so many times that we went check, 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 got it. And we've lost the sense of all. See, I I think the real crux of what Jesus was getting at when he said we had to receive the kingdom of God like a little child is that we have to learn to accept certain things on faith. I remember, I actually remember, it's one of my first memories in life. I was four years old. We were on a family trip. My dad was on a business trip. My mom was pregnant with my brother, due at any time. But we were on a family business, we were on a family trip, and we'd gone to Philadelphia. My dad had a meeting there. And just about the time we, well, in fact, when we were checking into the hotel, because obviously that's 1965, it's long before cell phones or anything like that. When we checked into the hotel, there was a message for my dad to call home. And we called home to find out that my mom's nephew had been killed in a car wreck, and that Raymond had died that night as we were going to Philadelphia. And I still remember as a four-year-old that drive. We went on and spent the night there because it was late. And we got up the next morning and dad left the meeting. And we drove from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania back to Pike County, Kentucky to get ready for a funeral. And I remember as a four-year-old, my mom just sobbing 
and weeping in the front of the car. And you know what that does to a four-year-old who doesn't want to see their mom or their dad cry? I was a high school senior before, or junior, before I ever saw my dad cry. But I remember seeing my mom cry and when I was four. And I remember the whole way back, I said one thing to her over and over and over and over and over again. Mommy, it's going to be okay Raymond's with Jesus. Because that's what they had taught me. That's what they had taught me. Since I was old enough to know anything, they had taught me that if you love the Lord, that when you die, you get to go and be with Jesus. And I was like, okay. Okay. And it's going to be okay because Raymond's with Jesus. What if we could get back to that childlike innocence of really trusting that what this says is true. Come on, parents, grandparents. What if we could get back to trusting that the things that we told our kids and grandkids were true? What if we could get back to really believing that they are and the way that we live and the way that we act? What if we could have that kind of childlike faith? Now, there's this sense in which I was naive as a four-year-old. I was immature, not understanding the long-term agony of grief and death. I get all that. But the Bible says a child shall lead them, and a child's faith in God is able to accept God's promises without any question because people that they trusted told them they could accept them without any question. Their faith is so innocent and so real. We need to cultivate it into our own lives. So let's wrap all this up. Don't miss this because this is really important. This is really important. Every one of us in this room have to carefully scrutinize all the claims of Christianity. And there's a wealth of evidence for us to investigate to support our faith in God. But then there's a step of faith that we all have to take. And only those who can take that step with the innocence and the trust of a child will receive the promises of God to those who surrender him. Guys, here's the bottom line. It's really simple. We need to take that step of faith for ourselves. That innocent step of faith. Nobody can take it for us. We can't, we can't get into heaven on our grandparents' faith. Do you know this? Nowhere in here does it talk about God having grandchildren. All it talks about is children, direct heirs, people who made their own choice to follow after him. At some point, we've got to decide we're going to accept God. Most children, for most children, it's pretty easy. Really? You know, statistics say 85% of people that accept Jesus will do it before they're 18. It's adults that struggle. It's adults that struggle with giving up stuff that they got involved in that they should have never gotten involved in. It's, it's adults that struggle with going back to the innocence of a child, having a childlike faith. And we can stubbornly refuse to take that step if we want. But when we refuse to take that step, we leave our eternal destiny at chance. Or we can surrender to God like a child would. Knowing the only way to receive his promises is to do what he asks us to do. It's the kind of faith we need. It's the kind of attitude we need. Remember what this said? Jesus called the children to him and said, let the children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We need to take that step. And I realize, I realize that in this service of our three services, I realize that more than even in the other two, that the majority of you have taken that step. But if you're in here this morning and you haven't taken that childlike step of faith, what are you waiting on? 
Because here's what I'm going to promise you, and you can accept it as a parent, as a grandparent, as a pastor, whatever friend, whatever title you want to, I, I promise you this. If you haven't taken that step, as soon as you walk out those doors, and as soon as you get in your car and you start driving away, Satan's going to give you all kinds of reasons not to take that step. Don't let today go by. God, thank you so much for loving us enough to give us Jesus. God, help us to have a childlike faith, a childlike faith that surrenders to your will. And we pray all that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand? Band's going to lead us another song. Jason will be down here at the front. Uh, We got elders in the room. We can connect you. If you just need somebody to pray with you, but if you're ready to take that step of faith and make Jesus Lord of your life, I challenge you. I encourage you. I pray for you. Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it today? Come on, let's sing. Running out to 
glad you guys are here today. If it's your first time here, we've got a special gift for you. It's out in the lobby by the big orange wall. It says, I'm new. Brett's out there. Uh, Sheila's out there. And just would love to greet you. I got a gift for you. Remember marriage night tonight. And ladies, remember uh, the Fresh Ground of Faith kickoff Tuesday night. Uh, if you haven't already given, remember the offering boxes around the side. Let's go out this week with a childlike faith and change the world. We'll see you guys next Sunday.